You're listening to the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast, presented by Krauss Health, the exclusive healthcare partner of Syracuse Athletics. Welcome back to another edition of the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast, and you're going to be familiar with today's guest. It's my colleague at Syracuse.com, Donna DeTota. Donna, how are you? I am good, Mike. How about yourself? Hey, we're doing okay. Getting excited for basketball season. I know. We've both been busy lately. We've both been writing a few stories to start to whet the appetite of Syracuse basketball fans. And um, so, you know, wanted to have you on the podcast now because it really is basketball season as far as I'm concerned. Practice has started. Media day is in about another week and a half or whatever. And the season's around the corner. And you recently had a really in-depth profile look at uh, Syracuse's associate head coach, Jerry McNamara. It was really outstanding. If anybody's listening, if you haven't seen it, go to Syracuse.com, read the story. Uh, it's really tremendous. But I, I wanted to talk to you, you know, we've, I like talking to you about your stories after you've written them, right? Uh, First of all, thank it, you, Mike. I appreciate you saying that. Well, we did it with your story back in the summer when you walked uh, the links with Jim Beheim, And uh, this one with Jerry, you talked to a lot of people. Um <laughs> And I thought really the one issue that was that was kind of like the lead, the topper to your story was the whole idea of, hey, here's just the icon. Fans love him. He's been on staff now for about 12, 13 years, somewhere in that range. And we've had the coaching change. And the head coach now is, is Adrian Autry, it's not Jerry McNamara. I think you and I both see Jerry as a future head coach. Yeah but it's not going to be at Syracuse probably in the near term. And so you were kind of talking to Jerry a little bit about where he see what's his coaching future and, and could he ever leave Syracuse for that head coaching job? And, you know, maybe you can just kind of start by just kind of taking me through what you kind of got from Jerry about his willingness to perhaps leave his alma mater at some point. Yeah, and I think it's not so much leave his alma mater, which is, is certainly part of it, but <clears throat> excuse me, I think it's also, you know, he and his wife, Katie, have built a life here in Syracuse. And I think they really, really like living here. They, you know, they, he's loved the way his, the school district has embraced his family, his kids, you know, he just has an easy, very uh, nice life here in Syracuse. And um, I think that would be part of it too. I think he doesn't want to go someplace where, you know, he, he p- takes a job he can't win there. And in a couple of years, he doesn't have a job, you know, he's out of a job, you know, he, he's got, I think he's going to be very, very careful um, about the kind of jobs he's interested in and the kind of jobs that he would be willing or interested in taking. Um, and that's for a lot of reasons. I mean, I think he really, really likes being here. He likes being here. He likes, he likes coaching ACC level athletes. Um, and I think he understands that if he leaves, he's not going to be coaching ACC level athletes. If he leaves for a head coaching job someplace else, um, and I think you know, it, and I, I've I've talked to him, it, him about it's. It reminds me a lot of Matt Langle at Colgate. Like I don't think Matt Langle is going to take a job just to take a job. Like he's very happy in Hamilton, but I think he's open to ideas, open to other jobs. And I think that's the same thing with Jerry too. He has to feel like it's the right fit for him. You know, it's kind of interesting to compare the Jerry situation with that of Mike Hopkins. You know, I remember Mike Hopkins had some interest with Bonaventure at one point. Um, Charlotte came up. People forget that he was very, very close to taking a job at Charlotte, but then found out that Charlotte was about to switch conferences and he didn't love that idea and he didn't want to like take over that program as it was switching leagues. 
you know, Boston College, Providence. There's a lot of jobs. But you know what? While he was mentioned with a lot of those, he never took them, or in some cases, he never got them. Like, I, I think he turned down Charlotte. Yeah. I think he turned down Providence at one point. I'm not sure exactly how Bonifacio, but I think BC, he wanted, they didn't hire him, probably to their regret later. But, you know, it is this situation that sometimes guys can get into when they've played here, they've coached here a while, they do love it. They have, Hopkins had a family too, um, you know, and, and now Jerry's in a very similar situation. You talked to Mike Hopkins for this story. He did. What did he have to say? You know, I, I asked everybody that I talked to for the story, I said, you know, Jerry wants to be a head coach. Everybody knows Jerry wants to be a head coach. Would he be a head coach? Would he be a good head coach? And everybody said yes. And I said to everybody, why, why, why would he be a good head coach? And they all said to me, for the 20 minutes or 30 minutes that I've talked to you about him, that's why. Like, we've just gone over all the things he's good at. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why we think he would be, be a good head coach. You know, um, Mike, Mike said the same thing that everybody said the same thing. You know, he's, he, he likes Jerry's energy. He likes Jerry's passion. Um, he likes Jerry's and he called it his, in his own typical Mike way, his Iron Man way of being able to sort of transform players um, who come in as guards and a certain and play a certain way. And Jerry is able to sort of work with them and make them better players. I think that was the thing that most people said, cited about Jerry, that, that guards who come to Syracuse and work with Jerry get better. And that's the thing that Mike um, talked about quite a bit. That's the thing Jim talked about. That That's the thing that Adrian talked about. Um, and so I think, um, I think for those reasons in particular, um, people thought he would be a good head coach. Yeah, I, I, I was thinking about all those guards you talked to a number of them in your story too uh you know you guys like tyus battle and elijah hughes um you know you mentioned michael benajay they don't just get better their games expand i yeah. guess that's part of getting better but you know sometimes you get better because you take like your one great quality and you get better at it or you figure out a way like this is my one way on the court and i just do that but you know joe gerard was not a point guard and became one a Tyus Battles game became more well-rounded. You mentioned Mike Benajay comes in as a small forward, leaves as a as a all ACC point guard. You know, yeah. a guy who can shoot thirty nine percent from three. Um, you know, Elijah Hughes was really a small forward when he came in, became a shooting. Right. Uh, you know, and they all put into work. They all seem to really kind of take on the 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 mentality of Jerry. If you you know if he coaches you and you're going to get better, you know he he seems to click and he gets these guys to really work. Yeah, I think he is really good at sort of appealing to their own sense of pride and their own sense of of uh, a, a potential achievement. And I think you know the thing he said to Elijah, and I think I think he said this to other guys too, is that you know um, I think you could be great. I think you could be, be much better than you are right now, but you have to work at it. You have to want it and you have to work at it. And that's how I think he approaches. I think he's also guys have told me that he's very honest with them. You know, he'll tell them deficiencies they have. He'll tell them, here's the things you need to get better at. Here's, here's the thing I think you're, you're, you can be good at. I mean, I think all, I think all of them appreciated his candor with them. You know, it's, it's interesting that, you know, we'll see how the Adrian Autry era moves and everything, but you know, for any assistant to get a job somewhere else, generally the program you're at needs to be winning and winning That's at right. a high level. That's and right. let's face it, we, Syracuse has not been winning at a high level over the last 
four to five years, let's say. Um, I mean, you look at when guys left. Wayne Morgan leaves and gets a head coaching job at Long Beach State after Syracuse goes to a Final Four in 96. Lewis Orr gets a job at Siena. I think maybe it might have been a year after Syracuse went to the Sweet 16 in, in 2000. You know, Troy Weaver leaves and gets an NBA job as a, you know, with the Oklahoma City Thunder after a string of success, including a national title. Right. Rob Murphy gets the Eastern Michigan job again after a string of success at, at Syracuse, right? right? Oh, 09, 10, 11. So if Syracuse is, if Jerry's going to get a job somewhere, basically Syracuse needs to be better, right? Absolutely. I think he understands that too. I mean, um, you know, there are not a lot of assistant coaches um, who are hired as head coaches for teams that lose. <laughs> I mean, so I think they have to win. And I think he understands that, that that's part of it, you know, and I think, you know, listen, Jerry's, a, I'm not telling, telling you anything you don't know or anything people don't know. He's a super competitive guy. He wants this program to get better. He wants them to be better. He wants, he, he just wants the program to return to the Syracuse program that he believes it could be and that it should be. And I think he understands too, that when that happens, um, that he will become a much more viable or much more uh, explorable candidate. You know, we mentioned Red, uh, Autry, we mentioned Jerry. There's another guy, he's not in your story, and but I think as long as we're talking about coaching and coaching futures, we should mention Alan Griffin. Sure. You know, I think he's another guy, totally, in a way, very different from Jerry. But I could see Alan becoming a head coach because I see the way he connects with with kids. Yeah. Um. The other thing, too, with, with Alan, I, I, you know, it's kind of true of Red. They both come from New York City. And New York City can get kind of sectioned off. And there's like, you know, guys at this AAU program who don't like guys that, you know, seem to favor this AAU program. In New York City, nobody dislikes Alan Griffin. It's hard to dislike him. <laughs> Let's face it. But there's an art to that. And it's important if you're going to be a head coach somewhere because you're going to need to go in and recruit Kids with that play with the New York Wrens or the Panthers or Long Island or, you know, New Heights and all these CAU programs. It's no longer Riverside Church and the Gauchos. But I think Alan, you know, has a head coaching future ahead of him. Do you, what do you think? Yeah, you know, I have never asked him whether he wants to be a head coach. That's one conversation I have not had with him. Like I have had conversations, I had had conversations with Adrian before I did a story many years ago when he was promoted to associate head coach. And yeah, he wanted to be a head coach. I've talked to Jerry about this in the past too. And he said, yeah, he wanted to be a head coach. There's one conversation I have never had with Alan. And I'm not sure why. It just, it just I guess it just never come up. I have had the conversation with Alan, but um, which is kind of why I was wanted to see what your take on it was. Um yeah, I think if you're, it's rare that you get a person that's in coaching who doesn't at some point have an honest thought to themselves like, yeah, I want to be a head coach. I'd like to run my own program. And whether it's a power five or a mid-major or yeah. maybe somebody's happy at, you know, a lower level, um, they, they want to, would like the chance. And I think Alan would like that chance. Yeah, I think you're right. You're probably right. I think it's like every every kid who's at an ACC level school thinks he can play in the NBA. It's the same as every assistant coach in the ACC believe, or the Big Ten or the Big 12 believes that they can be a college head coach. Yeah, so that's probably true. Yeah. I mean, even assistant coaching lifers like Bill Guthridge at North Carolina, uh, you know, eventually he Gabble. was a head coach yeah. at Carolina, yeah. right? He, yeah. he did. Uh, he didn't want to leave in, uh, Carolina to go anywhere. He was kind of in that same situation that Syracuse guys are in. Where I'm at is so great. 
Yeah. It's going to have to be something awesome to, to get me to leave. And, and assistants don't often get that chance. Um, all right. But we were talking about winning in order to like, you know, for to have an assistant get a head coaching opportunity somewhere. That's a great transition. I want to talk to you about this year's team. Yeah. I know we, we talk about this year's team like all the time. Uh, just yesterday, we were on the phone with each other and the conversation extended like another 20 minutes because we were talking yeah. about this year's team. Um, let's let's pose it this way. What player on this year's team are you most intrigued about before we get to finally see them when we uh, when practices are opened up? Uh, for me, it's Benny Williams, mm. because I think Benny has uh, incredible untapped potential at this point. And we've been talking about his untapped p- potential, I think, for a couple of years. But I think he's going to he could potentially be the driver of this team this year in a sense that. I don't know how this team is going to defend this year. I don't know how they're going to rebound. And I think Benny, if Benny is good at both of those things, um, I think that's a huge plus because I think the guards are going to be good. I think they're going to have very good guard play this year. And it's the forward and the center slash Malik. <laughs> uh, 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 I think that's going to make the difference in how good this team actually can be, what the ceiling of this team is. So I think Benny, like I think Benny needs to give them, you know, 14 points and, eight or nine rebounds a game for them to be very good this year. Those would be big numbers. Yeah. But I mean, you know, I, I think in the progression of, will he, will he see, will he get more minutes? You know, and a lot of it is uh, it's on him too. You know, what, what has he done over the summer? Has he, has he gotten bigger and has he gotten stronger? Um, he worked a ton on his three point shooting the year before that. And he was a very good three point shooter last season. I don't think people realize he, he shot 40% from the three point line last year. Yeah. I mean, obviously in limited, in limited uh, attempts, That's but I mean, he worked very hard. I mean, yeah. He worked, but I don't think he is really a power forward. He is and he isn't, um, you know, so what has he done uh, this summer to help develop and diversify his game. Can he still, can he now step out and make that three consistently? And can he also bang inside more? Can he get in there, get, get a tough offensive rebound and convert it? Can he, can he do some of the things that I think, I think that he's capable of doing. And I don't think we've seen in bits and spurts this year over the course of his career, but now he's got a new head coach. It's a new team, a different kind of team. And I think to me, he's the key guy on the team this year. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think he is the key. But, yeah, I have maybe too much confidence in Benny's shooting. Um, like you said, it was limited last year in terms of the number, but the percentage was amazing. I think he can shoot. I think the key for Benny to reach the numbers that you're talking about is he's got to finish at the rim better. Yeah. Finishing well, at and around the rim for him. You know, if he's added a little bit of strength, uh, you know, maybe a couple pounds here or there. I, You know, we had heard maybe he had gained about five or ten pounds. I think I'd be outstanding. If he yeah. can finish at the rim, I think he's got a good shot at, at hitting that 12 to 14 point mark. Yeah. I mean, I think, like I said, he needs to, he needs to put and he needs to rebound. I mean, that, you know, Syracuse has lost Syracuse was I either the worst or the close to being the worst rebounding team in, in the league last year. They were definitely the worst defensive rebounding team. And one of the most, one of the worst defensive rebound teams in the country. They, and, and they're going to lose, and they lost Jesse, who was their by far their best rebounder last year. So they need to do a lot in terms of rebounding the ball. They need to figure out who's going to do it. They need to get, you know, guys in there who are willing and capable and able to do it. And that's why I think he's such a key piece. Yeah. We were talking about that rebounding thing yesterday in that phone call I mentioned before. And I'm like, if they play more man to man, they might become a better defensive rebounding team for that reason alone. Yeah. Because yeah, I think you're, we've said I for years, you don't rebound well defensively out of the zone. 
Right. I think that will help them. Yeah. Now we'll see how much, how much zone they play and how much man they play. And I think that is also going to be dependent upon the kind of personnel they have in the game and potentially the opponent that they're playing. Um, but yeah, they need, they, I think that they will, you know, cause you got a man, you're playing man to man. You obviously have a guy that you can block out. He's your responsibility. So it becomes a little more clear on what your responsibilities are from as a rebounder. Yeah. The, uh, the guy I'm most intrigued with, and I think he'll have an, a, a big impact on the team. Not as big as Benny, but I'm intrigued for a different reason. And, and I've told you this. Yeah. He McLeod. I just can't wait to see what they're able to do with this kid, how he can help. Now, is he going to play 20 minutes a game? Maybe. I mean, you know, he's seven foot four and 255 pounds, you know, stamina wise and everything. He's not going to play, you know, over 30 minutes a game like Jesse Edwards did, but still, I just, I just can't wait to see what kind of a factor he can be, whether he's in the middle of a zone when they do go zone or whether he's playing between Armando Baycott or DJ Burns and the basket and, and forcing those guys to shoot over a skyscraper. Yeah. I think I he's a, wait. he's a, he's a, he's like a perfect zone center to me. You know, he takes up a ton of space. He's he'll protect the rim. You assume he will protect the rim. Um, what, what happens in man-to-man will, will be different. Like, teams are going to probably try to put him in the pick and roll a lot. And uh, how he can defend out of that is going to be interesting. Um, and I, you know, I love Malik Brown. I think sure. Malik is just, um, I think they can play so much differently with him in the middle. If he's got, he's another, that's another guy too. I think he's also has the potential to be a very, very good rebounder. And um, he's a good defender. He's a tough kid. Um, he does all the little things that you want him to do. And um, let's see how much bigger he's gotten this year. Let's see how much stronger he's gotten this year. Let's see how much he actually plays the five. And, you know, like we, we talked, I've talked with, with uh, Jerry and with, with Adrian about sort of this positionless basketball, like what kind of guys are going to put out there. And I don't think they're going to be too married to various, you know, he's the point guard, he's the shooting guard, he's the small four. I think they're going to put a bunch of guys out there who they think can help them in various situations. And I think that is interesting. Yeah, you get into positionless basketball, positionless, whatever. I mean, yes, there's yeah. positions, but guys that you could just throw out there as a group and kind of then once they get out on the floor, they're going to have to go, okay, who's guarding who? Um, you take him, I'll take him. And But guys like Malik Brown could be in that grouping. Chance Westry, Quadier Copeland, yeah. you know, who's like 6'6", but strong and can guard the one, two, or the three. Um, it's exciting. It's interesting. Um, yeah, and that, you know, it's going it, to be interesting to see how much they value their shooters, how much their shooters play. Can those shooters get better and get more consistent? Um, you know, Justin Taylor is a guy who shot close to 40% from three-point range last year as a college freshman, which is hard to do. Chris Bell was a very good shooter at various points of the season last year. You know, this team is going to need shooters. I mean, for whatever you think of Joe Girard, and I happen to appreciate Joe and everything that he did when he was here, Joe was a 38% three-point volume shooter last year. He made a ton of threes. They they need to figure out who's going to who's also going to take those threes. And I I mean, I, I don't think they took enough threes last year. And are they going to take more threes? And who's going to take those? threes right and my because they got penetrating more. guards they've got all these penetrating guards and you need to be able to keep the defenders on the perimeter yeah it might actually be the forwards guys like justin taylor chris bell or benny williams taking more threes than your backcourt guys we'll see i mean well yeah you will see i mean i do think that um 
Judas certainly got much better as a three-point shooter as the season wore on last year. And I think JJ is a much better shooter. I mean, I saw him play in AAU ball. I saw him play at high school. I saw him make six threes in the first half of a game at Baldensville High School. Um, I I, I think he's a much better shooter than what he showed last year at Notre Dame. Yeah, and so I think I think they're shooting. Shooting, I think, is 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 a question mark for this team. Oh yeah. Um, But I think I don't think it's as dire as we might think it might. It is. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll see. Uh, let's plug our work one more time here before we're done, because uh, we talked about your Jerry McNamara story at the start. Uh, you and I, uh, w- within the, like the last week or so, both did uh, stories on the two guards. Yeah, because let's face it, these are the two guys that they're the engine that are going to make this team go. You did a story on JJ Starling, which I thought mm-hmm. was really really interesting. The hometown kid returns. Yeah, kind of take me through that process that he, if he described it to you about the decision to leave Notre Dame and then transfer to Syracuse. Cause I think, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, he described the transfer to Syracuse as a no brainer. I think those, you know, if you, if you, you know, put his feet to the fire, I think would say his last two final two schools were Syracuse and Notre Dame. Right. And he went to Notre Dame um, because he said he, he, he loved Mike Bray. He, he thought they did a really good job of recruiting him in the last minute. And I, you know, when Adrian and I talked about, about it, you know, um, just as recently for that story, he said, you know, a lot of times there's guys, you know, if you're a hometown guy, there's sort of an allure of going away, right. There's the, the, this sort of jazzy uh, new thing, you know, and, um, and I, but I do think that JJ really, he really liked Mike Bray. I think he was sold on the idea of that program, you know, and I think just not a lot of things went well when he got there. He hurt both of his shoulders. Uh, he had a knee injury. Um, and then Mike Bray announced that he was retiring. Some, I think it was sometime in February of last year. Right. So, and then they lost a lot of games. I think they won three ACC games last year. So it was just basically a brutal year for JJ. And I think, you know, he said he didn't make a final decision until after the season was over, but I think he probably was percolating. I mean, I think you, I mean, you and I talked about it, you know, in February and March, is JJ going to, going to retire, going to, going to transfer? Because I just think, um, you know, he was such a high wattage recruit. And um, I think Syracuse really, really wanted him. And um, I, I, you know, I, that, so to have him come back to Syracuse and play for the hometown team and play for Adrian, who he's known since he was seven years old, um, I think uh, all the stars sort of aligned. That's what he said. That's what his mom said, you know, and, and sort of Adrian implied that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's going to be really important as the, uh, you know, the, the other backcourt guy with, with Judah, you know, I got a chance to sit down with Judah. Yeah. It's his first Very extended good interview um, since he decided to pull his name out of the draft. He, he kind of gone uh ghost on us all summer long. Yeah. You know, I know you tried forever to get a hold of JJ. I, sort of, I had the same sort of situation with Judah. Um, you know, he didn't want to really do any interviews throughout the summer, but finally now with, with the team back on campus, it was it was really interesting conversation with Judah. I, I enjoy talking with him. He's a smart kid. He he's, is. he's an interesting, smart kid. He really is. He really is. He's a little guarded. He won't tell you everything. And then he'll kind of like, and, and you know it. And he'll kind of smile and go, yeah, you're right. I'm not telling you everything. And I'm not gonna. But, uh, you know, we, we went through the whole process of the draft. And then what he's like aiming for coming back. You know, and I love, you know, hearing him talk about his goals. Like when the, yeah. his first goal is he wants to make the ACC all defensive team. I mean, as an old school guy, I'm like, oh, my God, that's tremendous. He wants to make the defense team. And, you know, hey, 
he could be a lockdown defender in a man-to-man operation, right? Yeah, I mean, I thought, you know, when I watched him in the NBA, uh, the draft camp, I thought he was a very good defender in that camp. I, he he kept guys, he's got such great quickness. I think he kept guys in front of him and he's a smart player. Um, and so I thought I was really impressed by, you know, they obviously played man defense at that camp, at the at the combine. And I thought I really did like the way he he guarded there. I mean, he he had a ton of steals last year, which a lot of Syracuse guards do out of the zone. But I think it's going to be, a di- I think he's going to be a different kind of defender in a man-to-man scheme. Yeah, the uh, you're right. Syracuse guards have, done really well in terms of steals in the past and usually it's like the passing lane steals Jupiter yeah. could be a defensive force in a different way he could just make life miserable for the guy he's guarding right and i mean you're not going to look forward in the same way like when back in the day i'm going to go really old again you never looked forward to playing providence when john linehan was suiting up for the friars that's way back whoa i know but that was not going to be a fun night if you were a guard going. That in. is the encyclopedic kind of encyclopedic Mike Waters mind that we're dealing with here, people. Just, yeah. just, just get a grip of here's what here's what we're talking about. The references to guys. When did John Linehan play at Providence? What were you, <laughs> like 1987 or something? Like I don't know. Oh like, no, no, no. He's okay. more recent than that. Right. Come on. Okay. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it, Judah could be the guy that like other guards are not going to look forward to their 40 minutes of play when they see Syracuse, right? Judah could be the kind of guard that uh, every guard hates seeing and that uh, and that Judah has been subjected to and Joe Girard has been subjected to in the ACC. Guys who are really pesky, just in your face, all over your kind of guys. I say that, but you know what? Sometimes you have to sacrifice a little bit of that bulldogness because he's as a point guard because you you have other things you have to do so yeah. you have to save some of your energy at some points of the game you can't constantly be like going 100 percent at every single every single minute of every single day so um, it'll be interesting to see you know I, like I said I think the backcourt I think all the guards are good I really do I think they're all the guards are good and I think they're all going to be helpful this year the question for me is um, how it works along the back line and the things we just talked about can they guard people can they rebound yeah. A lot of interesting stuff going on. It's, uh, you know, we've talked about it before. We got a lot of things coming up. Media Day is coming up on yeah. Friday, October 13th. There'll be an Orange Madness at the Dome that night. A week later or a week and a day later, they're going to do their Monroe Madness over in Rochester. Right. Uh, that was fun last year. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, pretty soon they'll be uh, opening up the season on Monday, November 6th against New Hampshire. The Adrian Autry era begins. Yeah, I mean, what happens to our summers, Mike? What, what, it was just like spring, it was May. And then now it's, uh, you know, it's all practically October. It's sad. I know, it's, it's really brutal. It's sad, but good, because basketball's coming out. That's right. And uh, yeah. I'll get to see you a lot more and we'll be talking right. all the time. And I'm sure we're gonna have you back on the podcast um, again, more often as the basketball season rolls around. So thanks for uh, taking a little time out of your day, Don. I really appreciate it. Of course, Mike. It's always good to talk to you. Join us next time for the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast, presented by Krauss Health, the exclusive healthcare partner for Syracuse Athletics.